It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins. Listen today as we show you how to love God, love people, and impact the world for Christ. Hello, welcome to the show. Cassandra Perkins here. You're listening to Behind the Mask. The show where we talk about subjects and, and topics that will hopefully inspire you to live a purpose-driven life. And, and I love more than anything when we can have something that can not only inspire you, but can also inform you as well. And being able to inform you and, and give you detail about a certain subject is so amazing. And be able to sit in your car or sit wherever you are at and be able to listen to this and really get information that who knows where you're going to use this in your life. Who knows where this is going to apply to you. And that's why I'm really, really blessed for my guests today, which is Mike Hansen, and he is so incredible. He's a chaplain, and being able to just sit down and talk to him and learn about his life in the hospitals, to be able to do that and, and, and really talk to him about that is maybe maybe we'll get information here that we all need for our life if, if a, a relative goes into the hospital or, God forbid, if you go into a hospital, whatever happens, we be able to have this material right here in front of us and be able to talk to Mike, to Chaplain Mike about this is so incredible and such an amazing opportunity. Let me tell you a little bit about who he is and really a little bit about his past before we jump into the show. He is a hospital chaplain at Centura Health. He was a jet mechanic with the U.S. Air Force, which is so cool. And, and I can't even imagine being able to travel and see the things that you saw even in the U.S. Air Force with that. He went to school at Andrews University where he received a master's in ministry. And he also went to Southwestern Adventist University where he got a bachelor's of arts in theological studies. He is with Parker World Vision, and you just did a cool event with that. I mean, you're doing so many amazing things. But really, the reason I met Chaplain Mike here is such a, an amazing story of how God brought us together, I believe, and really brought us together for a reason. And my aunt was in the hospital. My aunt has uh, brain cancer. And being able to meet you in the hospital and see you in work and be able to see really what you're doing and how, how God works through you firsthand at a firsthand experience is one of the many reasons that I really wanted to have you on my show. And, and we got to talking a little bit about who I am and who are you are and, and how our missions kind of correspond and our messages correspond. And I think that what you're doing is so amazing. And to be able to inform others about that, the way that you informed me and were there for my family. And here he is praying for my aunt. And then when um, sadly my father's situation happened, you were there to pray for my father and it just he was there he was there for us even after the fact that we weren't even in the hospital anymore and that was so amazing to me and so eye-opening to me so I I am so blessed to welcome to my show Mike Hansen Chaplain Mike Hansen thanks so much for being here Mike I really appreciate it 
Thank you. It's yeah. a privilege to be here. Yeah, here in studio. It's so great. I love having guests in studio. I just I love being able to sit here and talk to you about something that you're passionate about and something that God has really called you to do. And that's so cool when you can have something like this that God has really called you to do what you're doing now. And I'd love to jump into that a little bit because uh, you go, you see a lot of, I can't even imagine the, the amount of trauma that you see, the amount of, uh, you know, maybe you get attached to somebody and, and sadly they pass away the amount of trauma that you have to go through and, and to say, well, God called me to do this is, is some people won't believe it. Or they say, wow, that must be really hard what you do, but God has called you to do this. And he's really put something into your heart that really led you to this. And I would love to talk about that a little bit. So where did this calling start for you? Where did this calling start? Where did this relationship with God really start? Sort of they're one and the same. Uh, yeah. I was uh, baptized um, when I was, um, how old was I? 20 or so. Um, and so within weeks or so after that, I became, uh, it was this, this calling to ministry in general. I guess I didn't know quite that, what that meant, except what I had seen, um, through, uh, some evangelism. That's how I became a Christian was through some evangelistic meetings. Hmm. Um, and so I grew in my faith. I immediately within weeks of, uh, Actually, within days of being baptized, I was shipped overseas. As you mentioned, I was in the Air Force, and I, um, it was while I was there that, uh, as I was listening and re-listening to some evangelistic tapes, if you will, that, um, and yes, they were tapes back then. <laughs> this tells you how old I am. <laughs> um, and so I kind of told myself, and I, I felt like I could be doing something like that. Right. And those are the origins of my calling, and uh, through a few more months of being in the Air Force, about a year and a half or so, I... Um, got out of the military to go to college to get my degree at, uh, as you mentioned, Southwestern Adventist University. Um, and from there, pastored churches for a few years after that, after getting my undergrad. Um, in our in our denomination, what they do is they will uh, sponsor you to go to seminary. It's actually a very good bargain, if you will. Um, did not have to actually pay tuition. They paid me a little stipend to go to college, to go to, to get my Master's of Divinity and it's a great uh, setup to what we what we do in that um, in our denomination. So I, in the middle of that time, getting my master's of divinity at Andrews uh, is when uh, a tug between church work, church pastoral ministry, or chaplaincy, uh, clinical pastoral education, uh, showed up on my horizon. And the more I looked into clinical pastoral education, the more it appealed to me, hmm. just as a way of education uh, to discover who you were and um, and being in an academic setting, which I really loved it was just different and so i was torn um whether i should do that or not but i still looked into a, a program that was uh, down in san antonio at the time and uh, we lived in michigan at the time my wife kimberly and i were pretty well convinced we had enough of the michigan winters and we wanted to move where it was warmer <laughs> yeah. and sunnier <laughs> san antonio came to mind because we had been there before on a long weekend together um and so Part of this uh, little story that happened was towards my last semester, I still wasn't sure where I was supposed to go. I'd already been somewhat accepted into this or had been accepted into this CPE program in Texas, but I was supposed to have gone back to Wisconsin. Um, and the uh, my boss would come and visit with us every few months to check in on me, see how I'm doing. And he came to, to visit and wanted a, a meeting with me. And so at that time I'm thinking, I feel called to be a hospital chaplain. Uh, I feel like I should tell him because he would be my boss and he was coming to talk to me and he sat me down and said, 
well, we, we have some openings in the, we have one opening left in Wisconsin for you, a church that I personally don't feel like is a good fit for you and your family. So he sits me down to tell me, um, we don't have a job for you back in Wisconsin. And I'm about to tell him, I don't feel like I'm going back to Wisconsin. I feel like I'm called to be a chaplain. Mm. So in that moment, I thought I should probably tell him. And so I did. I told him, wow. well, this is what I feel like God's opening a door for me. And uh, the door opened. It was, I've been blessed to be able to just not necessarily have to discern as much as just walk through these doors <laughs> at the time. Uh, and it was a clear opening for us to, to do that. My wife, who's a nurse, um, also had an offer for work down there as well. And in fact, the, the hospital where she ended up being, and we ended up at the same hospital uh, eventually um, down in San Antonio, uh, paid for our move. You know, I'm a graduate student, not a lot of money. Mm. Um, and it was a, it was kind of a clean break from the, the church part of that. Um, I was a little worried about it because, you know, they pay tuition and all of that, and they help right. pay some of the housing and everything. So um, God opened up that door clearly, and we were in Texas by uh, the end of December that year. Really? Yep. And so that was a clear opening for, for me to get to chaplaincy. Um, and a year and a half later, the door opened for us to come up here to Colorado. And so we helped open Parker Adventist Hospital, which is uh, very close to here, actually, where we are. Um, and I've been with Parker Hospital since uh, we opened in 2004. Wow, that's amazing how God kind of just, in a sense, opened those doors for mm -hmm. you. And really, when I talk to people, you know, I, I talked in churches as well, and I, you know, I talk to kids, mostly teens, and something they always say to me is, how do I hear God's voice? How do I know God's plan for me? How do I, in a sense, know where the doors are to open? So for you, what what did you feel like? What Was it just this gut-wrenching feeling that this is what you were called to do? Or how did you know that God was calling you to do this? How did you know that? It was, um, to me, it was interest in terms of this is something that I feel like I could do. Um, it wasn't a clear, you know, leading up to it, you know, going through that last semester. I just described to you what were, to me, very clear doors. So right. I don't know how often that happens in someone's life because I really haven't had clear doors since because we've, you know, by choice, planted roots here. We're not going anywhere. That was kind of what we wanted to do. Right. Um, but it was something that uh, I felt like this is where I should go. And it was, um, or it was, in my mind very clearly. So when my first calling came around and as a pastor at 20 years old, 21 years old, um, and I still, it's funny because when I was a teenager before I was ever a Christian, I was very, very interested in, in uh, teaching. Really? Uh, I wanted to be a history teacher. I still love history. Um, and so teaching is still something that's very passionate for me. And who knows if that door will, you know, that door may open one day for me. I don't know. Um, but at the same time, uh, I found it interesting that I felt called to be somewhat of a teacher as a pastor early on in my Christian experience. So it wasn't a coincidence to me to see where God would call me that way. And I have a, I have, uh, even in my role now down at Parker Hospital, I um, have moments where I can do that, and it's where I feel very natural to do it. So it's um, spiritual gifting, and I would encourage people, um, you know, if they're wondering, check out what their spiritual gifts are. That was actually a very pardon the way I say this, it was a gift to me <laughs> to be right. able to um, be able to see. Uh, and this great inventory is uh, the one that I took um, actually recently was one by Bill Hybels. It's a great spiritual gifts inventory. It's pretty thorough. Um, and so if, if people are wondering, you know, what are your gifts, that would also speak to where do you think your, your passions lie? Um, where would you think uh, God could use you? Um, so that, that to me has been some of my experience that way and just seeing 
seeing where God opens doors and, and just letting him in. I can't, you know, you have to do this yourself, but right. you know, you got to be patient. Right. Um, so it's okay to pray for patience. Yeah. Uh, things will happen, but it's okay to pray for patience and let God open those doors. And just, I know when you're that young, you want to move, move, move. Right. Uh, you just said, and you and my daughter both are taking a year off from school. Yeah. And so, and we've encouraged our daughter, you know, you don't have to be in such a hurry to dive right into school. You know, you can take some time to discern what you want to do. It's okay. And stay at home. And mom and dad don't mind you being at home either. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that to me is important. I mean, it really does come with experience and, and age in terms of just more life on this planet. You learn more patience. And yet, I mean, if, if anything, we all learn as adults, and if we're maturing emotionally and spiritually, we realize that we never get to that point of infinite patience. I mean, right. obviously, you can't have infinite patience, right. but you get more of it as you go. Yeah. Well, being able to have those those doors in front of you and, and have the patience to wait and have yes. the patience to go through life and experience the journey is what's so incredible. And God will open up doors for you. And and, and he did for you in in this case. And being able to, to see where you're at and, and, and who you are as an individual and in these hospitals doing what you're doing, very difficult work in a sense, but God has really put himself behind you and, and he really lives through you. He shines through your heart light and I could feel it. And that's, that's something so beautiful that I think we can all live with on a daily basis is just to have God shine through our heart light. But many people don't really see what you go through or what, uh, what you do, or even know that this is an op option to have a chaplain there for you, to have an advocate for you there, to have someone there for you if you're in the hospital. So I want to talk about that. We do have to take a little bit of a break, but when we return, we're going to talk to Mike a little bit about how he can be an advocate for you in your life and how chaplains can be an advocate for you. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Cassandra Perkins, host of Behind the Mask. And this is Linda Newell, Colorado State Senator. Colorado ranks seventh in the nation for suicide. And in Colorado, suicide is the second cause of death for youth ages 10 through 24. If you are considering or have thoughts of suicide, don't be afraid to reach out. In a world where you might feel alone, please know there is always someone there to listen. No judgments, confidential. Call the National Suicide Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Hi, I'm Cassandra Perkins, host of Behind the Mask. And I'm Brian Warnicke, and I've been living with cystic fibrosis for 17 years. Brian, what is cystic fibrosis? Cystic fibrosis is a disease that attacks the digestive system and slowly shuts down the lungs, and it makes the mucus in your lungs more syrupy. So the mucus in everybody else's lungs is very watery, and you clear it by just breathing. The mucus in my lungs is like maple syrup, and I have to do respiratory treatments twice a day, every single day, along with 50 pills to control it. Brian, how are you bringing awareness to cystic fibrosis? So I've done a few charity bike rides. Um, I did one a couple 
couple years ago. That was 1,065 miles over 43 days, 46 cities and 8 mountain passes all around Colorado with my beloved dad with me. I'm also a very active advocate in the public speaking community for cystic fibrosis and the music video from One Republic, it's called I Lived, has been just amazing in raising awareness. For more information about cystic fibrosis or about myself, you can go to the Pink Lightning Facebook page or cff.org or pinklightning.org. Hi, this is Lynn Reamer, and I'm president of Act on Drugs. Did you know that drugs today are more potent than they've ever been before? From alcohol to marijuana to designer drugs and even methamphetamine. Drugs are also more available today, especially alcohol, pot, designer drugs, but specifically your prescription drugs, which kids get from the medicine cabinet. Studies show that if parents would talk to their kids, they're also a lot less likely to use them. So please talk to your kids today. For more information and resources, visit my website at actondrugs.org. Welcome back. We are joined by Chaplain Mike Hansen here. We were talking to him a little bit about how God really called him to be a chaplain and, and how he really called him into the hospitals to help and how he opened the doors for him. And we were talking a little bit about that before the break and, and really how God opened up this beautiful, bright future for you in, in, in the things that you're doing now. And that's actually how, uh, if you're just joining us, is how I met Mike, is I met him through the hospital with my aunt being in the hospital at the time and being able to meet him and experience him uh, you know, in action and in, in doing what you're doing is, is so refreshing and so amazing to see uh, God shine through you and shine through your heart. And, and thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story and sharing who you are. I really appreciate that. It's a privilege. Yeah, it's fun. It's really great. And I love being able to talk to you and and really show other people that they have an advocate there for them. They have somebody there for them. But I really like to address the question, what do you do when you're in the hospitals? What does it mean to be a chaplain in a hospital? What what does that mean? Um, When I am asked what what was it, how do I describe it? Um, I, I considered it sacred. And I use the word sacred as something out of the ordinary. Um because sacred to me is that, that that's what God has done. He's made something special out of something ordinary. Mm-hmm. And so ordinary life, special circumstance, sacred circumstance. And so, and I don't define sacred as good or bad either, because um, normally we associate sacred with good. Um, sacred can happen in the, in the, in the um, tragic as well. Um, and so what I do try to tell people, like every, every um, month in orientation, um, and I think people get this working in the hospital, but it's good to remind people working in the hospital that um, coming to the hospital is a complete, um, it's a complete, not just distraction, disruption. That's the word I was looking for. It's a complete disruption into someone's life. Right. Um, patient, especially family as well. Um, it's a complete disruption of the routine and it could be a complete disruption of one's health. And if it's a bad diagnosis, it's a 
it's a bad trajectory of someone's health. And so we're involved, you know, if you come into the hospital for a, a routine, routine to us, not routine to the patient, <laughs> knee surgery, for instance, I mean, we have um, a great joint program at Parker Hospital that does a lot of uh, joint replacements. So those are routine because they happen every day, day in and day out at our hospital. And we know they're never routine for people. Um, we hope that that particular circumstance is a good one and where they are looking forward to better health. And um, so we celebrate with people on that. And we want to ask them, hey, how are you doing? And is there anything we can do for you? Those people tend to be doing pretty well. Um, the people who are potentially on our uh, oncology floor, maybe not so much. Uh, and they may, they may need some extra support. Uh, and that's definitely what we're here for. I know one thing that personally what I try not to do is to have a, um, the idea that I have the corner on spiritual care. Mm -hmm. I am not the nurse who spends 12 hours with the patient. Um, the nurse you know, down on our oncology floor will have six patients or so throughout their 12-hour shift. And so they're going in and out of that room pretty regularly, the nurse, the CNA. Um, and so what part of our routine is that we'll check in on them and see how they're doing. And part of our training is that we'll cue in on or clue in on and you know, what's going on behind the, the scenes in their mind, spiritually, emotionally, can we help them in any way? Um, the average stay is, you know, two to three days at the most. And so people are constantly coming and going, coming and going. And it's a challenge to have a longer than that in terms of timing relationship. Right. And so, I mean, people can view chaplains in a couple of different ways as someone who is um, too risky to talk to because they're a stranger. So they don't generally open up if they think that way. Or the opposite is, oh, because they're a stranger, I can risk everything with them and talk to them because I don't, chances are I won't see them again. Mm. Um, and, but we try to you know, discern that as we visit with people and see, uh, can, can we be trusted? Um, the, the, the term chaplain, um, some people, you know, there's different baggage that comes with that word. And I mean that, you know, use that word intentionally because it's, a, it's, a, it's chaplain, clergy, pastor, Sometimes it goes to priest, if you will, right. and then there's a direct association with priest. And sometimes, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a room and somebody, what are you doing here? What's wrong with me? Do you know something else that I don't know? <laughs> and I say, I put my hands up and I'll say, look, we're just doing a routine visit to see how you're doing and it's okay. Uh, we're part of the care team here. Um, over at our colleagues at Littleton Adventist Hospital, they actually renamed their whole team the, uh, the whole person care team. And they said, we're part of the whole person care team. So I do like that. Um, we may or may not implement that, but um, it's it's a great way to put it where, you know, we are part of that care team and um, we're not the nurse, we're not the physician or the respiratory therapist um, or the CNA, but we are the spiritual care. Hmm. So um, we, and it may not be just spiritual care, it could be emotional care as well. Right, right. And when you said advocate, um, it reminds me of the, the role of the Holy Spirit to be with us. Uh, that's what the role of the Spirit is, is to go with us and be with us in journey with us. And that's part of what we do as well. And I'm so blessed to be able to work. And all I know is the context of a faith-based organization. So right. I've spoken with lots of other professional chaplains who, you know, it's a challenge for them to express and live in their faith in a not faith-based hospital right. sometimes, especially right. for other associates or people that work there. But So I don't know any other context. So I'm, I feel very free to be able to do that. If you're at our hospital at 830 AM or PM, we do an overhead prayer um, every day, seven days a week. Um, I actually record them. I'm not there at those times, but it's recorded. So it's pretty neat that we can do that. And I've heard over and over again how much people appreciate it. Mm. So it's a real deep part of who we are as um, Adventist Health System. You know, we've been around for 150 years. Uh, there's a huge long history of what we do um, when it comes to health care and taking care of people holistically and 
um, I feel a strong part of it as well. So um, I can't imagine doing healthcare any other way. Uh, I don't know other context, but I can't imagine doing it any other way. So um, I always feel I tell associates to um, feel free to pray with people. I know in other places you can't. And I tell them you can, and we encourage it. If it's you get their permission, please do pray with someone. If they are in a distressed place, ninety nine percent of the time people are gonna not they're they're not gonna say no. So wow. fall back on that as well. So you're really there to take their needs and and it's someone to essentially vent to and express themselves with, and you're able to in a sense translate that over to you know the caretaker side of things or the nurses or, or the doctors to suit them in a certain way to you know be for their for their, their needs and their mm-hmm. their struggles and their problems. Correct? Yeah. If we if we have a conversation with someone, and uh, numbers of times you know I've, I've something's come up in a conversation about a family dynamic that. I don't know if the nurse knew about this or not, but you know, maybe this patient's not responding well to the pain medication. Well, we just found out in the conversation that they lost their their mom or their dad or something, you know, recently, some kind of grief or whatever, and they didn't quite get that in the in the assessment. And so that's when we can share that information with the care staff and say, yeah, this is probably the reason why. Maybe not, but right. at least you're aware of this is what's happening in their life, and mm. they've got a lot on their mind. And as we know. The mind is very connected to the body, and you know the body can uh, respond in different ways. I learned that my last semester at seminary. I had a terrible—I mean, it was very, very busy. I made it through, uh, but I ended up uh, with the worst back pain in my life back then and uh, with a nice case of pneumonia at the end of my semester. Wow. <laughs> so I realized the strong connection between the mind and the body. I kind of learned that myself personally. Um, and so having your mind uh, in a good place, your, your spirit in a good place— um, it's all, it can be an uphill thing, but that's part of what we do is we want to have that conversation with people and, and tell them it's okay to feel a certain way. There's no right or wrong ways right. to feel for sure. Right. Um, especially around grief, I tell people there's no right or wrong way to feel at a certain time. Um, so, and I think that's also in, important as well. It gets expressed in so many different ways. And you're right, we can be advocates. Yeah. People. Right. To be able to be an advocate and have somebody there for you who's in the hospital, who understands the lingo, who understands and somebody who comes to the hospital who may not know that it, it could be very off putting to them. It could be very scary for somebody to have to go through that and not have an advocate there or know exactly the right steps to take. So to have someone to translate their worries and, and what they're going through into uh, doctor words and be able to say this is what they're feeling. This is how they're feeling. That's great to have an advocate in that sense. But just to have somebody to vent to and get things off your chest and be able to go through the grieving process with somebody, a stranger even, is really amazing to be able to do and have someone to pray over you and be there for you. And the fact that you get to do that every day and, and talk to people and be there for people, what uh, the stories you must have from, from you know, sadly, good, sadly bad stories, but, you know, good stories as well that you get to see through this and probably connections and, and friends that you get to make through this has got to be really heartfelt and really amazing and you have such a, an amazing website and you're doing so many amazing things and you're there for nonprofits and you're going above and beyond just this just being a chaplain you're working with so many nonprofits and doing amazing things and I want people to be able to find you and get to know you and, and get to experience you so uh, go to chaplainmike.com and go 
learn more about him. He has amazing articles on there. He has amazing things. Go learn a little bit about more about him and what these people are doing in, in your own hospital, in your own hospital and how they can be advocates for you and in your life. And also, if you want to learn more about me as well as uh, uh, my guest, I have so many guests as well as past shows, uh, you can go to my website and check that out. It's CassandraPerkinsRadio.com. We'll be right back. Sandra Perkins from Behind the Mask. I'm Alex Sheen, founder of Because They Said I Would. Alex, why are promises so important to humanity? You know, a lot of people don't think about broken promises as a humanitarian issue, but it really is one. Think about the people who you might know who say things like, I'll quit smoking, I'll lose weight, I'm going to volunteer more, but then nothing. You know, nothing about this downward slide about our culture and keeping promises, nothing about that is going to change unless there's something to change it. And that is what we are. Because I said I would is a social movement and nonprofit organization dedicated to the betterment of humanity through promises made and kept. We cannot make the world better if we can't keep our promises to make it better. I encourage people to check out because I said I would.com or Facebook.com slash because I said I would to learn more about our nonprofit and humanitarian effort. Hi, I'm Cassandra Perkins from Behind the Mask. And I'm Harry Singer from London. How do we change our worst days into our best days, Harry? I have a model, but with the short space, here's what I would say. The first step is to connect with why have you labeled it as worst day? Can you remember it's your worst day or worst days? You gave it that label. Find out the meanings that you've associated to that worst day. Then the next thing is this, is to get to a place where realizing that we tend to link all the terrible things in our life to that worst day and all of our challenges because of that worst day. But when you can take the gift and when you can get to a point where you realize that there is greatness in your life and that greatness would not be there had your past experiences not happened. That's the whole you. And when you've got that, then you can be at a stage where you can turn around and say, you know what, I can forgive myself and everything that happened didn't happen in vain because now I can get to choose how I want to move forward. So if you want to turn your worst days into your best days, realize that, you know what, there is greatness in there. There's a gift in there. You can choose. And when you can take that and give it to others and help others, then you'll be grateful for it. If you want to connect with me further, come and check in on harrysinger.com or harrysingerfoundation.com. Hi, this is Cassandra Perkins. This is Deputy John Arnold with the Douglas County Sheriff's Office. Did you know that over 1,006,000 car accidents are caused from texting and driving each year? Also, you have a 23% greater chance of being involved in a motor vehicle accident while texting and driving. If you get a text, it can wait. Pull over to a safe location. Nothing is that important. Don't, Don't drive, drive while intoxicated. Sin and 
Welcome back, everyone. We are joined by Chaplain Mike Hansen here. We are here in studio with him. And if you want to know more about him, be sure to check out his website, which is chaplainmike.com. Go A-I-N. check it out. Yeah. Lots of people want to do I-N. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Blaine. <laughs> oh, okay. Charlie yes. Chaplin. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Welcome back, guys. And, and welcome back, Mike. And thank you so much for being here in studio with us today. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. And even while you're sitting here, uh, you know, we've been talking about how really you're in the hospitals, which is, is such a, I mean, I can't even imagine, you hear this a lot, but I can't even imagine having to go through yourself, even having to deal with the loss and, and having to deal with heartbreak and having to deal with grief from other people. But I, I hear you are being able to pray for somebody and talk to God and, and be able to have a relationship between you and God to say, help this person, love this person, give them the comfort, give them the, the patience to be able to get through this time. And while you're sitting here now, you're even getting pages and, and dealing with difficult stuff there. And you wanted to say a prayer for some a patient that's happening right now, sadly. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I don't know anything about what's happening, but right. based on what I'm seeing on the pagers, I mean, as we're live here, there's someone's life on the line in our ER, and I'd love to pray for them. Absolutely. Let's pray for them. Would you like to go? Yes. Uh, God of uh, all creation, we would just like to lift up to you this person who's in our ER right now. I don't know anything about them, uh, but we especially want to pray your spirit would surround them right now. And uh, I hope and pray that by the time this may be heard in the history of uh, this show, that that this person is alive and well. So I pray for all the people involved, the, the physicians who are making the decisions right now, and everyone who's taking care of this person and pray your spirit would be in that very room um, to bring life to this person and uh, bring uh, the ministry of uh, my friend and colleague Connie, who's there right now as well, as she is doing her best to minister in the middle of the situation. So bless this family as well. I just know nothing about it except what I've seen on my pager just now and pray for this person and pray your spirit is in that place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And yeah, to have somebody there and to be able to to pray for them is is so, it's an amazing thing to be able to have that relationship with God, to talk to him and say, be there for this person and, and surround the doctors with the confidence to be able to know the right things to do, know the right steps to take. And it's amazing that we have that connection. We can talk to God, that we can do that. We can pray for somebody and pray for their well-being. And I truly, I do believe in the power of prayer 100%. And, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, I saw it with my own father. I got to see the, the power of prayer and the works. And so being able to do that on my show was, is amazing. And I, I really hope and pray that that person, uh, you know, maybe in the future can hear the show and say, wow, the power of prayer was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you for doing that and, and sharing that with us. But that's what you're, you're dealing with on uh, this basis. That's what you're, you're having to deal with on a, a day-to-day basis is people who are losing their lives. And I think people are really uh, afraid to, to look at that and, and look at the end of a life and talk about the end of life. So for you, what is the, the approach that you take when you're talking to patients about in the end of life or about going through difficulties or, or medical difficulties? How do you approach somebody who's, who's going through that? Well, it's, um, we value autonomy in our world and our, in our society. I know that much. Um, autonomy for a person, independence for a person, because there's many different reasons for someone to, to grieve. Um, if someone comes to the hospital and they have to lose eight or ten weeks of independence because they're recovering from a basic knee surgery or a knee replacement, that's can be a form of grief. Um, all the way kind of up from there in terms of uh, if you're grieving the loss of independence because now your body is um, having issues that it never had before or some kind of disease shows up in your body that you didn't know about. Or, of course, there's, there's injuries and 
Um, and then we want people to, um, to know that they're not alone. Um, priority would certainly be you know, what decisions do you want to make that bring the best quality of life for you. We have a growing palliative care program at our hospital, which is a, it's not acute care where we're trying to fix the problem. Palliative care is that we, we want to acknowledge that this probably isn't going to be cured, but we want to help you find um, and have much as much control over uh, your decisions as possible. Um, so spiritual care is a part of that. It's also about pain control and how much independence and quality of life do you want to have. And the last part would be that hospice care that is um, right towards the very end where you generally people have six months or less. Um, and in the hospital setting, for the most part, it's if, if, that, if it gets to that place, um, then the goals become, because uh, surprisingly, most people don't want to be in the hospital when they, when they die. They want to be around with their loved ones and at home, right. um, which actually isn't surprising, but right. the majority of deaths, unfortunately, do happen in the hospital. Um, and so how can we turn that around? And that's kind of a big shift that's happening in healthcare right now in, in the caring. And um, part of um, what we've known is the highest costs of care happen in the last sometimes days or weeks of someone's life if they're in intensive care. I mean, that's very, very expensive care. And it's all a lot based on we value life, which isn't a bad thing in itself. And technology has allowed us to do a lot of neat things that, you know, 40 or 50 years ago, we wouldn't have these conversations. Um, And so that's great. And and yet, are we we prolonging life or are we um, avoiding death? Uh, Those are some ethical questions. And I'm, I'm co-chair of our, our ethics committee at the hospital too and we talk about that stuff on a pretty regular basis oh, deep we, yeah it can be I, we can't separate someone's decisions around these things because they tend to be you know final decisions uh, I tell people especially family members you know you get to go through this once you know even if you have a mom and a dad that you have to go through this and if you know heaven forbid if that happens um, they're two different people and that grief and that process is going to be as different as that relationship was and is with you. And so I, I, I tell people, you know, you, you get to go through this one time. Um, let's take this seriously, but let's do it in a way that's uh, intentional. Um, and if you welcome prayer, we can do it with, with prayer, of course, as well. Um, so it's a great combination of all the best medical knowledge we can have and spending time with that family and just talking to them about uh, what what means the most to you right now and what do you want to happen right now mm-hmm. and so if they say i really want to leave the hospital and i really want to be at home during this time all the staff will do everything they can to make sure that person gets out of the hospital wow. we don't want people to have to die in the hospital right. either because uh, that's not familiar that's not home sometimes it can be unfortunately if they're there for a long time that's kind of few and far between where we'll have patients who are there for more than five or six days um, but it does happen occasionally and we get pretty attached to those people as as well, um, and we do our best to be with them and, and walk with them as well. Um, but there's a great team of people that do everything they can to try to get someone um, not in the hospital eventually. Right, and you're there not only just for the patient, but f- for families as well, right? Oh, of course. Sometimes we see um, we don't see it that person as the patient, we see the family as the patient. Uh, Um, and that's, um, I know that's a, uh, I know that's a kind of a principle that happens, especially with pediatric care. Um, my wife is a pediatric nurse and, you know, one of the reasons she's told me in the past is she doesn't want to, uh, she doesn't want to be an adult nurse is, um, 
because she, you know, doesn't want to deal with the adults. And yet I also realize as she comes in and deals with kids, they're always, you're always dealing with parents right. <laughs> who are also the right. patient. Right. So, uh, but yes, the families is just as important. I mean, it's kind of rare actually for a patient to not have family around and family may or may not be blood related either too, but someone who's just as important to them. Right. For you, because like you just said, you get attached to people as well. You you find a relationship with them. You get attached to their family and know about them and get to know about their family and who they are as individuals. And, you know, the grieving process for you, you, you have to let go of a lot too. So for you, how do you cope with, with things, with the loss of, of people or, or um, you know, even seeing somebody who who was really, really bad get to go out and, and, and live their life and recover or what? So what is the grieving process like for you or what is the coping process like for you? It has to start with a relationship with yeah. God. Yeah. And um, if I don't, I've met many people who are in the hospital dealing with some really heavy diagnoses or just family dynamics and um I don't normally say it to them. I won't say it to them, obviously, because it's not the right context. But I wonder, you know, how do people go through things like this without any kind of uh, faith? And generally people have faith, you know. And um, I I don't – I use my faith as a lean heavily. And I always want to appreciate my um, my family when I, when I see some of the most heartbreaking times is when – I've, I'm in the ER and I've worked with the family uh, when someone who's passed away um, and then the family has to leave without that loved one. Mm-hmm. That can be hard. Uh, I know it's hard for them and it can be hard for, for us. And, um, and I try to appreciate my, my uh, family that much more. Um, I generally don't take my family for granted anyway. Right. I just uh, want to make sure that I don't ever take them for granted. Um, because uh, something I've learned for sure is how fragile we can be as human beings. Um, and yet how resilient as well. There are, yeah. I mean, plenty of, any. you ask any healthcare person who works in the healthcare, and you, you know there are people who should not have walked out of that hospital, and then there are others who you hoped would have, but right. eventually didn't. Um, and so it's all very mysterious how it happens and how it works, and I suppose one day we'll see the reasoning behind all that. And um, I don't fully convince myself there's a reason for everything, because stuff just can't be explained. Right. Uh, it's... Part of my, my belief structure is that we are in the middle of a pretty big war going on, and there are consequences and casualties to this war, um, and we are parts of that. Uh, and um, I don't generally articulate that when I'm ask, talking to people about things like that. It's, it's a much bigger picture thing. It's just a framework that I, you know, I became a Christian. I really understood early, very thankfully that I did, uh, knowing that we are uh, part of something bigger happening that's moving along you know our story is has been going our story eventually will stop here on this earth Um, and so it helps me to believe that eventually there will be I just uh, so every week every day I do this prayer and every week I have a theme for my prayer this week I'm praying about healing last week my prayer theme was about justice Mm. uh, when I do the overhead prayer and so I tried to write some prayers around um, you know eventually there will be justice Eventually, things will come around. Um, I, I believe. I believe at the second coming that there will be a sea of children and babies, um, a sea of them. I, I just am convinced. For every one adult that gets there, uh, there'll probably be innumerable little ones that <laughs> are there. Um, that helps me to just have some perspective on 
I mean, I can't explain why babies don't live. Right. I can't explain that stuff. That's heartbreaking for parents to have to go through. And I've had my share. We've had our share of that happen at a hospital as well. So, I mean, those are heartbreaking and they're sad. And um, But if, if I didn't have my faith in a belief to lean into, it would be that much more futile. And uh, I don't think I could, you know, continue with it that way. Right. Well, you never know for even yourself you never know who whose mind you're opening up to the possibility of religion or just having someone who's not religious to say, can I pray over you? And maybe that opens them up to religion or opens them up to God or establishes a relationship with God. I mean, you don't know. And that's what's so beautiful is how God can be introduced into our lives in such a beautiful way and can be accepted into our heart in such a beautiful way. And, and you never know really what that does when you're praying for somebody. You never know what that does in their mind or what that does for their relationship with God. You never know. And that's what so beautiful is they they could really establish that that friendship that relationship with god and in that bond and i think that's what's so beautiful and to be able to have the faith while going through this and to have somebody to be there for you and advocate for you and to pray for you is is a beautiful beautiful thing and i want to talk a little bit we do have to take a break but i want to talk a little bit i want to talk about you and you're doing so many amazing things but i also want to uh, you know answer the one question why people should reach out to chaplains why they should so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Defender of this heart, you love me from the start, you never change. Through the highs and lows, Hi, I'm Cassandra Perkins from Behind the Mask. And I'm Brian Jackson, inspirational speaker and HIV survivor. When I was 11 months old, my father intentionally injected me with HIV. By the age of six, I was sent home from the hospital to die. Not supposed to see the age of seven. Here I am today with full forgiveness and heart and full hope in life. Brian, why is hope vital for our life? You see, in life, we're going to go through different challenges and different storms, and we're just not going to be sure which way is out and which way is up and which way is down, and therefore, we have to be guided by hope. In life, we come into this world being carried to taking baby steps, the one step at a time. Before you know it, we have to take leaps of faith, and that is hope, and hope is vital. To find out more information about my story and how I can come speak at your next event, visit brianjackson.com. That's B-R-R-Y-A-N, Jackson, J-A-C-K-S-O-N, dot com. Have you ever been mad at your kids? I mean, really mad? Put yourself in timeout. Or have you ever suspected child abuse and neglect of a child you've seen? Call the Colorado Child Abuse Hotline today. That's 1-844-CO-4-KIDS or 1-844-264-5437. That's 1-844-264-5437. The kids can't wait. Call today. 
Lines from behind the mask. And I'm Jimmy Graham, Director of Active Shooter Response Training Center. Between 2000 and 2013, an average of 11.4 active shooter incidents occurred annually. And according to the FBI, active shooter incidents are on the rise, and the majority of them occur in the workplace. Tell us a little bit about your background, Jimmy. I spent a little over 15 years in the U.S. Navy SEAL teams as an operating instructor, and then I also uh, worked for the federal government training protective officers and deploying overseas. And now what are you doing to help educate and prepare others? At ASRTC, we're training individuals in the workplace to protect themselves and those in their care. I love your motto. Would you mind sharing with my listeners what it is? Not at all. We have a motto of faith, not fear, and perception, not paranoia. To learn more, contact us at asrtrainingcenter.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'm joined here with Chaplain Mike Hansen. Welcome back, Mike. Thanks so much for, for being here on the show with us for our last segment. It's been a great show. Being able to talk to you has been truly amazing. So thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been talking to you a little bit about what it's like to be a chaplain. And before we jump into everything else that you're doing, I really want to answer, uh, have you answer the one question, which is why people should reach out to a chaplain. Um, we're, I think the biggest reason is we are, we are whole people. Um, we were not just a uh, set of organs and systems in our body. We are whole people who, you know, we were made body, mind, and spirit. And so I think that's the, the legitimate reason why there are spiritual care providers um, in the uh, healthcare setting, um, because we believe that if someone is not doing well and they have a reason to be in the hospital, their body is not just a part of them that is um, that is not doing well, it's their mind, their spirit. Uh, most people, who knows, they may or may not admit that. And so it's just if we introduce ourselves as spiritual care providers, that uh, may or may not trigger, it could trigger a, an opening for someone to say, yeah, I feel like I need to talk about um, what's going on elsewhere in my life besides just my, my body. Uh, so that's the biggest reason, I think, is we can provide a, a, a listening presence, a non-judgmental listening presence, a trained mm-hmm. To be able to vent to a stranger, to be able to yes. just vent to somebody. And, and like you said, somebody who, who's trained to know the right or wrong decisions, maybe, or the, the, the doctor side of things, the medical side of things, to be able to relate that back to the doctors, to the nurses, to be able to do that and have someone to just even vent just uh, emotionally about is so incredible. And that's why I want to you know, personally thank you for doing what you're doing, because I think that is just, it blows me away that you, 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 God has really called you to do this and has put this in your heart and that you're able to go out there and pray for other people and help other people on a, on a daily basis. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Oh yeah, And you're doing so many amazing things as well. You're working with nonprofits. You're, you're just out there making a difference in, in every sense of the word. And you just did an event actually uh, not too long ago. Would you mind talking a little bit about some of the nonprofits you work with? Uh, through my church, we've connected with uh, World Vision or Team World Vision. Um, and so actually just yesterday we ran at the uh, American Discovery Trail half marathon. And so we've been training for it all summer long. Uh, this is the second year I've done this uh, half marathon. It's not the same half marathon, but a, a half marathon. Right. Um, and the, the big idea behind it, though, is not about the running. It's not about me. Um, it's about raising money for clean water in Rwanda. 
and so we had some amazing um, donors who helped uh, bring my collect, uh, donations up past $4,000, which $50 is one life saved, so over 80 lives saved for just me and our entire group here in Colorado collected uh, or got uh, over $200,000 in donations, which represents over 4,000 people's lives saved. Um, so I, I've gotten attached to do that. i hoping to convince our West Coast leader, Lindsay, uh, that we can maybe do not running next year, but hiking next year. <laughs> yeah. I love hiking 14ers here in Colorado, and um, that's something I hope I could plug into Team World Vision next year, but I think I've got a little homework to do ahead of time. <laughs> right. The whole big thing is saving lives. Um, clean water makes so much difference in someone's life. Um, if you can get a, a child clean water in their geographical area, they have a much, much better chance of living longer and becoming um, not, you know, that their lives are less, less at risk if you can get them clean water. Mm. So Team World Vision is a great organization. They are the largest non-government organization getting clean water out into the world. And do you feel that, uh, because we've been talking about how God has really called us to do things, do you feel like, uh, because people want to make a difference in this world, 100%. If you ask anybody, they want to make an impact. They want to make a difference in this world. So do you believe reaching out to things like nonprofits is, is a good way for to do what God has called you to do and to really uh, be there and, and live a good mission and live uh, and promote a good mission and a good impact? Do you really think that that's how you should do it, that that's how God wants you to do it? Yeah. Uh, you mean me in general or me Just in everyone. I mean, for you, in, in, as an example, how God has really called you not only to be a chaplain, but has called you to be uh, with nonprofits as well and to help out with nonprofits and really how that's helped you live your best life. Yeah. The, um, I Last year, I didn't have much intention of running. I'm not a runner. Uh, <laughs> but when I was out doing some exercise, I really heard God, I believe, say that I should commit to it. Uh, and so since then, I've been committed to it. And so um, you don't have to wait for a nonprofit. I mean, there may be a nonprofit out there that's doing something you really want to do, uh, but you don't have to wait for somebody who's already organized to go do something that you think can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, it just may be that you can use a nonprofit organization to bring some more profile, have some organizational resources to what you want to be able to do. Um, but at the same time, if God puts it in your heart and he will open those doors and provide those ways, I believe, um, and so I've been so blessed and privileged to be able to, and it's a connection through my church. So that's a great way to be able to say, if anything, if you're connected in a church and you want to be able to give back, that to me is a great place to even just start. Mm. So if you're a member of a church, um, I've heard you know from plenty of people as a chaplain that I am, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And the underlying under underpinning for that is that they were probably something happened to them in a local church. Mm. And so uh, I, you know, if you want to, change what's going on in your local congregation, well then, get involved. Hmm. Do something about it. Uh, and so make a difference. If you don't, if you see something not happening that you think should happen within that group, and you have a... That might be your message. Exactly. So you can do something about it. And so uh, a great term that our church has is we have a, we want to have a global impact uh, that's global and local at the same time. Hmm. So we want to do both of those things. Um, and so we have the connections to Rwanda, for instance. Um we also have connections in Nepal that we do things, but we have a strong connection locally with our um, the Parker Task Force that we do, and we have a Christmas store that happens in conjunction with our hospital, in fact, that we do every year now. This will be our fourth year coming up this year, and we give away a lot of things. So if, there's plenty of opportunities out there um, that you can connect into 
uh, if you're interested in making a difference, you don't have to go too far. Right. Right. That's you my... really don't have to go too far. And no. to be able to, I love that you say, to have a need. When you see a need in the world, maybe that's your calling to to fulfill that need. And if you see a need, fill it. Go out and make a difference in that area. Now, you're doing so many amazing things, and I want people to be able to find you. So would you mind throwing out your website for my listeners to get a hold of you? Sure. It's um, My personal website is chaplainmike.com, and that's L-A-I-N. <laughs> <laughs> wants to spell L-I-N. Uh, and some of the latest ones I've put on there are just these uh, things I call paper reflections that are just personal reflections right now. I'm doing a few little bits and pieces on some verses in Philippians that have spoken to me. Um, the other, the, the connection I have with Team World Vision is it's not, it's my page. It's not um, my person. It, it is my page and it's still open. Even though we did this race yesterday, if you don't mind, I can share this page. I hope people would continue. This is a great way to be able to donate and make a difference as well. So can I share that page? Yeah, go for okay. it. Okay. Uh, so it's teamworldvision.org um, and then backslash or is it forward slash? I can never remember. Backslash? Backslash. Whatever slash it is. <laughs> uh, participant. So it's Team World Vision, participant, and then I name my little team Dig Deep. Uh, so it's just teamworldvision.org backslash participant backslash dig deep wow and that's my page um because i love the analogy of digging deep to i mean i had to dig deep yesterday to run that 13 miles and oh yeah. <laughs> uh, i didn't run it the whole way i can tell you that i walked some of it um but in the end i realized it wasn't for me at all i, I might be some face of you know locally to be able to do it but um it's about digging deep in myself to get through this training but um the digging deep is also about um asking people to dig deep but there's another analogy and that is digging deep to get that clean water out of the earth for people to live so that to me is a difference i've been trying to make that way as well well i think you're making a difference in every sense of the word and i think being on my show and being able to share your story can hopefully inspire someone to reach out and and to be able to have a voice for themselves and to be able to advocate for themselves and and reach out and and know that somebody's there for them so thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing you and your story i really appreciate it I loved being here. It was a privilege to me. We've been talking about this for a couple of years to get me here. So yeah, got, got here. So. A couple of years. It's already been a couple of years. Something That's crazy. Like that. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And speaking of thank you, thank you to Jorge for always running my show so amazing and running so flawlessly. And thank you all for listening today. Remember to go out there and make a difference in your community, to listen to people and to pray for others. Love God, love people and impact the world for Christ. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins. To reach Cassandra or to learn more about her ministry and work, visit CassandraPerkinsRadio.com or look her up on Facebook. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.